Hello, welcome to the Gab and Jules show. No Gab Marcotti today is on holiday. So look, who's come to be with me on the show? Stuart Robson, thank you so much to be with me. Always a pleasure, Gab. Oh, well, what a great weekend of football we've had in Germany, in England, in Spain. Everywhere, pretty much some big games in Italy as well. Big games, top of the table clashes, everything. A lot of things happen. We've got to start in Spain, of course. It was first against second, yeah. Real Madrid against Girona for the big, big game of La Liga. And in the end, there was not much of a contest, really, because Real Madrid were far too good. Unfortunately, it lasted about four minutes, because <laughs> the first four minutes, you thought Girona had all the possession. They, they kept the ball well, they, yeah. the they were playing around Real Madrid. Real Madrid didn't play with the centre-forward, which yeah. was a surprise, because you know, we thought that Vinny Jr. was going to play up front alongside Rodrigo. They went to the wide areas. And now, as you looked at it, you thought, well, the furthest forward player is Jude Bellingham. He's going to play in a sort of withdrawn centre-forward position. And Girona kept the ball, and... And then, of course, Vinny Jr. scored, and what a great goal it was, and that changed the game completely. Was the fact that that goal was super early, was it because it was a world-class goal? Or did you think that anywhere Real Madrid were going to be too strong for this Girona team? That has been great, great fairy tale, but that showed their limitations as well in that it game. It did show their limitations, but I think every pundit building up to the game was sort of saying, I think Girona can give them a game here. Yeah, They're playing yeah, some great football, they can keep the ball. Uh, we know that Real Madrid don't always want to play on the front foot. They like to defend that little bit deep and then yeah. play on the counter-attack. And it was all going according to plan. And then Vinny Jr. scores a great goal out the blue. Yeah. And you could just see the Girona players, their hearts sank, you know, oh, you know, we've done everything right up until this point. And then we get a goal like that against us and could it be one of those days and it was one of those yeah. days where everything that Real Madrid did came off yeah that goal is great from Vinicius Junior yeah. then after that there's his assist for Jude Bellingham oh. that scored the second I mean the run the outside of the right foot pass yeah. everything from you that can, second you goal again showed the class you can look at it from two ways the pass from Vinny Junior is sensational yeah. outside of the boot yeah. which you don't see very often from players these yeah. days the run from Jude Bellingham who was playing as a Attacking midfield player come withdrawn centre forward and makes the run in behind and his first touch to go past the goalkeeper. What was Eric Garcia doing? I mean, how does he not see the run? Don't get how me started does he not, on Eric how Garcia. How does he not see the run <laughs> I know. of Jude Bellingham? And, and that is where Eric Garcia is at. And that's yeah. why Girona will never be yeah. the very top because they've got players like Eric Garcia in their team. Have, was that one of the best performances from a Real Madrid team? This year? A Real Madrid team, by the way, with no centre-backs because there's nope. still no Alaba, no Militao, mm. no Rudiger, not even Nacho. So they played mm. Truamani and Carvajal mm. as the two centre-backs. Yeah. Was that one of the best performances this season, you would say? Yes, uh, because you know I've seen uh, Girona cause teams problems mm. with their attacking play, particularly in the wide areas, getting crosses into the box. And we kept on thinking, with Carvajal as a centre-half, Surely, and, and, yeah, and Dobbic yeah. as the centre forward. Surely they're going to get wide, get crosses into the box. Savio down one side, and and uh, uh, on the other uh, side. Kuto the other side, yeah. and Kuto the other side. You thought they're going to get crosses in? They didn't do that. But Carver how defended brilliantly yeah. when making interceptions and using his. I wouldn't say he's quick, but he's 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 sharp. Yeah, he's aware. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Chiuamani has proved once again he's good in the air. When yeah. the crosses did come in the box, he headed them out, and I thought he played really well. And so did Lucas Vasquez down the right hand side, stopped Savio playing really. Uh, and it was the, the same with Mendy down the left hand side. It was a really good top class performance, I thought, from Real Madrid. It was. You felt at, at some point watching it, and you were commentating, so you were probably mm. more even deeper mm. in it. But for me, in front of the television, it felt like men against boys. And again, let's mm. take nothing away from a Girona season so far that's been incredible. Yeah. But we kind of always wondered if there would be a point where, not they would be fine out, mm. but that they would really struggle. And this is a t this was a game where Mitchell was suspended, so he was yeah, in the stands. 
they they were they had a couple of big players Mr. Herrera was Herrera missing. in midfield yeah. especially but it really felt a bit like men men against boys. And I don't know if you saw it. You know, I was talking about. Um, you know, you can have all the the best individual players, which Real Madrid have got better players than Girona. You can talk about the tactics, and Ancelotti got his tactics yeah. right. Yeah. But the one thing that stood out for me was the athleticism of Real Madrid, mm. as opposed to the lack of athleticism from Girona. Yeah. Camavinga was gliding past people with the ball. You know, uh, Vinnie Junior was running past, which he, which he, yeah, yeah, he does. But Jude yeah. Bellingham, you know, looked as though he was three yards quicker than in thought and and phys physicality than the Girona players. Even Tony Gross, who's not a great athlete, found space and could just go past that first challenge and hit those big crossfield passes. Uh, it was it was one of the best performances I've yeah. seen Real Madrid play. Valverde did well in midfield yeah, as well. well yeah. it's, it's just it was a just good yeah. all round performance. And it felt maybe a little bit that the nerves got a little bit to yeah. Girona for such a big game and the big yeah. clash and everybody was watching. Andrew Bellingham, there's this injury, the ankle injury, mm. we saw him coming off at the start of the second half, just after the start of the second half uh, for his ankle. It doesn't look too bad in terms of how long it will be out, mm. maybe three weeks, maybe slightly more, slightly less. He scored two more goals, so the first one we described mm. it, the second one is a tap-in after the, the Vinicius uh, But you shot. have to remember, the second one was after he'd had his ankle injury. Yeah, he true. was limping around, yeah. and he, but he was still in the right place at the right time to put like it in a, Like a number nine, yeah, like yeah, a really yeah. like, a, like those poachers. Yeah. Are you still impressed with him, even if maybe the last few games he'd been back to a very good level, but not the incredible level that he was at the start of this year? You can't fail to be impressed by him. Mm. You know, um, his understanding of the game, you know, playing as a withdrawn centre forward is a, is a difficult role. When do I go back into midfield? Yeah. You know, what, why, what, you know, do I leave their two centre-halves with nothing to do? When do I make my forward runs? When do I go and create a, a 2v1 in a wide area? He did all that superbly. So his football brain is very, very yeah. good. His athleticism is very good. He's a much better player now, technically, than yeah. I thought he was at Dortmund yeah, when I've seen him play for England. I'm, I'm amazed how he can manipulate the ball in tight areas. Yeah. He makes the right decision, mainly. And he's an inspirational figure on the pitch. Yeah. You know, players, other players look to him. The crowd look to him. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would say at the moment, he's becoming a little bit tetchy which I don't think he needs to be. I think he should carry on enjoying his football rather than always seeing as though he wants to have a row with somebody. Oh, I see what you he, mean, yeah. A little bit tetchy, you know. And, yeah. I, and, and I, I don't think he needs to be that. You know, you're, you're playing brilliantly. Yeah. Go and be the footballer that, that uh, you've shown us over the last two or three years rather yeah. than having a row with the referee and a row with the opposition yeah, and yeah, moaning about this and that. He's yeah. getting it off Vinnie Jr., I think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he get, yeah, maybe it's the, that leadership to get involved yeah. and to be pretty much everywhere. I thought he was outstanding mm. again for the 57 minutes he played yeah. or whatever. Just just on on Bellingham's too, um, so I think he's 16 and 17 goals this season or 15 mm. and 16 he was in the league. It's, it's just incredible. We've, we've, we've talked already a lot about the impact mm. that he's having on this team, yeah. what he's doing to his career. This this injury, whether it's three weeks, four weeks, two weeks, whatever, it's, a, it's an ankle injury. Let's just hope, especially with ankles, I don't know if mm. you ever had an ankle yeah. injury when you were playing, but you have to be really careful because sometimes you kind of come back, but then it can easily have a, you can easily have a setback. Gonna, then you have to make sure your proprioceptors are working again, which yes. is the thing that makes you, from your actual ankle turning, your, your, your reflexes to make it not turn. It, it looked, because it, it wasn't just once, he did, no, it. Yeah, he did it twice, twice in the game. Right, yeah. So he did it for early on in the, yeah. off, halfway through the first half. And, and he stayed down. on the floor a little bit. And he stayed on the floor. Yeah. And when we saw the, the replay, he thought, that looked mm. bad. We were surprised that he, he got through that. Yeah. And then he slipped in the box and, and, and then he caught his ankle again. And that did look uh, a, yeah. a bad one. 
but hopefully it's only three, four weeks. But he's going to have to make sure the treatment's absolutely spot on. Yeah, to come back. If you're Carlo Ancelotti now, mm. and okay, Real Madrid are in a very good position in the league. We will mm. discuss that later. But there's a big Champions League game coming against mm. Leipzig, who are going to be mm. better than Girona, where yeah. on, certainly on that day. Do you keep the same formation, that mm. diamond midfield, and you put Brian Diaz as a 10, for example, and you still have Vini mm. and Rodrigo? Or, as we saw in this game, and as you mentioned already before in the debrief, you put Vini and Rodrigo back as wingers where they naturally the natural position yeah. is, and you put José Lu as a nine, and then you midfield three behind, whether that's Camavinga, Valverde and Cruz, or whoever you want, what, what would you do? Well, that's that's the options he's got. Yeah. Um, José Lu, I saw play a couple of weeks ago, and he played very well as the, the main centre forward, scored a couple of goals, he was always uh, lively in the box, uh, he, he has a good touch to take him past a defender, uh, I, can't remember, I think it's Hatafe. I think yeah. he, he played really well against. Uh, but I think he will stick with, uh, and he won't play them quite as wide. I think Vinny Jr. and Rodrigo will play sort of inside mm. right for, for yeah. those that, that remember those positions. Yeah, yeah, inside yeah. right, inside left. And Brahim will play at the top of a, a diamond in yeah. midfield. I think that's what they will play. Uh, and I like the fact that Camavinga didn't play as the holding player. Yeah. Tony Kroos played as the holding player. Yeah. And Camavinga, I thought, was... He's outstanding. He's outstanding. His pace, he's, he's, he, how he took defence to attack, yeah. you know, was, was excellent. So I would stick with that. And Valverde on the right-hand side of that midfield diamond with uh, Vasquez probably in another game getting forward down the right-hand side, um, getting crosses into the box and Mendy doing the same down the left-hand side. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense to just keep that mm. formation that has been working, the system that has been working so well yeah. and that suits Brahim in a way because mm. I think Brahim could be a very capable number 10 and we've seen him doing well when he played there. Yeah. I think now Rodrigo and Vinicius I'd be more used to playing in those yeah. positions which was and then I think for Camavinga and Valverde this is the perfect yeah. formation as well. I think people have slept a little bit on Camavinga this season I feel mm. and maybe because Bellingham has been so good and because Vini is the star but I, I think Camavinga has been outstanding. That's, that's it. With Camavinga there's one slight problem I have with it. I don't think I don't like him in the holding midfield role. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. Because when he's he's not so good in tight areas. Yeah. There's times when the ball gets played into him and he can't. He's not aware of players coming uh, around the back of him and he sort of then gives possession away in a bad area. Yeah. And if it gets too tight, he might have the ball nicked off of him. But when he gets in that sort of um, left-sided uh, midfield in a diamond and there's space in front of him and he oh, avoids yes. the first challenge. He goes from there to there so quickly. So quickly. And I mean, he, I he's so strong. He was powerful. He was quick. Yeah. He made good decisions. I thought he was outstanding. And he wins the ball back. And I think he's curbed his sort of uh, appetite to go and foul people. You know, he, yeah, he, yeah. He, he's just, just a, he's a much learning, better yeah, tackler. He's, he's learning how to manage yeah. himself, definitely, definitely. And he's still such a young player. Yeah. You know, let's not forget how early he moved to Real Madrid yeah. from Rennes as well. So yeah. it's not. Because we remember when he played up. those first yeah. few games for Ren. When exactly. You, I, I actually did him in, I think, his second game. And I, I didn't know too much about him. And they, someone said, oh, he's 16. What? Yeah. 16. He, he played with such maturity and so, so much There was composure. that game against PSG in Ren. Yeah. Where in the start of the season, it was August or something. And yeah. he was only 17. That must have been his second season or first full season. Yeah, yeah. And he just run that game yeah. and bust that game and Variety could not get close yeah. to him no. they could not get the ball off him it was really impressive and I think again if you put him in the right environment and the right position mm. because I think he can play as a six but you're right mm. it's not you don't get the best you, out of you, him you lose qualities. something if yeah, you play yeah, him that number six role you lose yeah. something I think he's a perfect like, kind of box to box yeah. with the freedom to you go forward and back and do all that kind of energy mm. that he has because mm. that's why I think he's so so good yeah is the title race 
Done, five points now. Unfortunately, um, it's early in the season to say it, but yeah. Real Madrid look as though they're going to uh, run away with the title. I can't see Girona coming back from this. Um, Real Madrid just have too much about them. Barcelona aren't going to catch them up. Barcelona's still got their problems. Yeah. Uh, Real Madrid seem to be gaining in confidence, even though, as you've just already mentioned, two centre-halves, no centre-halves. No centre-halves, yeah. Alaba missing, uh, Rudiger, Rudiger missing, Militao, Nacho missing. Nacho, yeah. uh, you know, they're, they're, they're all missing. Yet, they still didn't look uh, flustered or didn't look under any sort of pressure. My question, I think you, you were going to say, that can they continue with these two as centre-backs? Yeah. I remember a game many years ago. Juventus were 3-0 down from the first leg in Juventus and they went to, to Real Madrid and I was doing the commentary. I said, yeah. the only way I can see Juventus getting back into this, if they keep getting crosses to the far post and Mandzukic, who was then playing on the left-hand yeah, side, yeah, gets yeah. up against Carvajal and keeps beating him in the air. Well, he scored two early goals and I think yeah, well, I they, they, they got back to three through and, and Real Madrid won. But surely teams have to look at that. When Carvajal's playing as one of the centre-halves, we've got to stick balls on top of him and get yeah. our best header of the ball going up against him because he can't avoid that. You can't, you can't hide that. You know, he, he's not good in the air. Yeah. He's not a big player. No, he's not used the, to, yeah. to, to being good in the air. So that's something that other teams might focus on and mm. cause Real Madrid a problem. But then we thought, as we said earlier, that Girona might do that. We don't well, they didn't do it. Then they didn't do it. They, they were do not it. even space for their crosses. And that was, you know, Michel is, is meant to be a great coach. Yeah. And he's done a, a fantastic job. But that had to be the game plan. Yeah, get it definitely. wide, Kuto to get crosses into the box. But they turned away from it. And Dovbik even didn't make runs into the box. He was coming short to get on the ball. And you're thinking, what have, what have yeah, they seen? It was that we haven't, you know. I mean, for Jan Kuto, by the way, who's been one of the revelations of the season, who's been good, but yeah. Vini just destroyed him. Which he can. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and Which he's done to a lot and of unfortunate. It's and not well, just Jan, Jan Kuto. Every mistake he made ended up being a goal or a chance. So, you know, so it, it, you, know, you had to feel a bit sorry for yeah. him. And I'm not sure it was great that all the other players, every time he made a mistake, went over and patted him on the back as if to say, yeah, it's his mistake again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was a difficult game. I mean, there's still a classical to come, albeit at the Bernabeu, but yeah. you know, potentially you can draw points. There will, mm. be, there will be games where probably Real Madrid are going to be tested more than yeah, in this game absolutely. where, as we say, Girona were probably just not good enough and the, the whole occasion was a bit too much for them. But five but can points. You, can you see any side no. going on a run where they don't lose another game? Well, from Girona will need to win every, every single game, game yeah. between now and yeah. the end of the season and hope for Real Madrid and, to and, lose and, some. And, and Barcelona likewise. And, yeah. I, and Barcelona can't no. go and beat Granada. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. What do we expect now from, from a Girona point of view? Just secure top four, which already, and you've been mm. to that stadium, it's not a Champions League stadium. No. This is not a Champions League club, full stop. No. But for them to finish top four would be almost like a like title oh, winning. Be, it would be fantastic, uh, and I think that's that's their it's yeah. been their main aim from the start of the season. Once they got into that uh, top area, uh, that's what they've been talking about. They've never talked about winning the title. They've talked about being a top four yeah. club, uh, and they've done very well. They need their best players playing. That's that's proof. For yes, sure. yeah, yeah, they definitely. need Herrera in midfield. He's dynamic. You know, yeah. he would have given Camavinga a, 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 yeah, yeah, a good right. run for yeah, his money. For sure, for sure. Daily Blint's not quick, but he would have been able to play out from the back better than the players yeah. that they had uh, in definitely. the team at the weekend. Uh, and they need Savio to be more consistent. You know, he's a, he's a young player that yeah. everybody's talking about. He didn't play very well uh, against Lucas no, Vasquez. He played much better when he went to the other side yeah, of the field late true. on in the game when mm. the game was already dead. But uh, yeah, they're going to have to play at their very best. Where will they finish? I think probably third. I think they're going to, uh, that would knock their confidence yeah, yeah, severely, I, I think. I like, and just to finish, I like what Michel said after the game. He said, listen, Real Madrid, this is not a Liga. 
Yeah. Liga is yeah. Bilbao, Real Sociedad, yeah. Valencia, Villarreal, yeah. this kind of club. He said Barca, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, they're not. Yeah. This is not our league. No, no, our no. league is, which I, I mean, it would have been strange for him to say something else after yeah. being spanked 4 0 against Real Madrid. But I just like the fact that they also know where they're coming from, mm. where, can, where they belong. And yeah, if they finish top four, then amazing. And there was a great uh, Martin Einstein's Bicycle Diaries uh, with the Sporting yeah. Diaries about, talking about how they have to get their players. And they have to get players that are out of, have been good players, but are out of form, uh, being left out of the other clubs. They've had injuries and mm. they're coming back from injuries. Or they're young players that have failed somewhere else, but they can see potential. Yeah. That's yeah. how they get their players. Yeah. And they try and get the best out of them. Yeah. And Michel has done that. Yeah, he's done that. And there's a, also a bit of help from the, uh, the City of football. But that's, that's one oh, for another yeah, day. We won't, we, won't, we won't go down No, that let's road. not go there. Yeah. Right now from Madrid Girona, what about some quickies, Stu? Let's go, Jules. Arsenal humiliate West Ham at the London Stadium on Sunday and Declan Rice put a world-class performance. This was very impressive, Stu. Oh, Arsenal were fantastic, weren't they? You know, West Ham didn't play very well, but Arsenal's passing, their decision-making, mm. the threat. You know, West Ham had a 10-minute spell where they tried to press and Arsenal played around there. Yeah, and as you said, true. Declan Rice is a top-class performer. It know? can't be easy to go back to your former club, you know, and to your former stadium when you know everybody, you, you've been there for it, so it long. It helps when you're playing for a very good team yeah, true, against true. A, a team that uh, aren't particularly good at the moment. You know, yeah, and, I guess. And, and uh, are playing so defensively, I would say, West Ham. Or playing poorly defensively, but they're yeah. trying to play a defensive yeah. game. But Declan Rice... Again, I think he can do everything a midfield player should be able to do. He can defend, he can pass it, he could, I think he I can score more goals, yeah. he, can, he can run. Oh, he's, he's a top player. You know player. the way he adapted from, a, from coming to a West, from a West Ham team mm. that played such a different yeah. brand of football and style of football to Arsenal and Arteta mm. and adapt so quickly. If you'd come from a, playing, from like a ball playing team, mm. to, to go from that to another ball playing yeah. team, albeit better, it would have been fine. This is kind of the same principles yeah 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 to go from like you said a very defensive moist team and we'll talk about moist later on the show to this team and to adapt so well and to feel like you've always been in the kind of environment i'm just like wow and i think arteta's used him well at times he's had Jorginho next yeah. to him as he did against yeah, Liverpool, and they yeah. combined well yesterday he was the, the main holding player but he would come forward and odegaard was one side of him and the, yeah. another midfield player on the other side it was it was, it it was great it was great now it was first versus second in germany jules by leverkusen versus Bayern munich mm -hmm. What happened? It was an incredible game and what a performance for Bayer Leverkusen mm. and Xabi Alonso. As you, we talked about Ancelotti's and the tactics in the Girona game. Well, Alonso got everything right as well. The team that he picks to start with Amin Adli, to have Tela as the kind of right winger and Stanisic at the right wing back. Everything worked so well and they just destroyed, really destroyed Bayern Munich. It was such an impressive performance, I thought, with the ball, but also without the ball where they just they just closed all the spaces. They controlled every space when they didn't have the ball. There was nothing that Bayern could do. Hurricane hardly got involved. Zane neither. Musiala neither. It was just like so, so good. And you know how Bayern Leverkusen mm. have been good this yeah, season. Yeah. But then when they play against a, 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 a team like Bayern and they're still so good, you're thinking like, wow, okay, this is another level. So the coach has obviously done a ma magnificent job. And months. that's why everybody, everybody's after him yeah. at the moment. I guess, I mean... I don't know, I guess there'd be a time maybe where things are not going to be so good. But right now, 31 games unbeaten this mm. season. No, nobody has mm. been able to beat them, not even close. Right. And they've got a five points gap, a bit like Real Madrid. And I just can't see them. Of course, you can always drop points, but I just can't see them 
unless something dramatic happens, just dropping, mm. just even the standards, you know, to be able to let Bayern Munich come back into the, the title race. Erling Haaland is back to his best and lead Manchester City to victory against Everton on Saturday. We have no hopes then now, Stu. When you say we, are you talking about Arsenal? I mean, we, anybody, people in general. Or, 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 yeah, yeah, in general, nobody else has got a chance. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say Man City played particularly brilliantly no. against uh, Everton and they left it until, I think, 71st minute when they got the, the first goal. But I like the second goal from Haaland. The first one is a good finish, yeah. but you know, it's what you expect him to do. The second one, that's what I want. The run. The run, the power, the pace, then 1v1 against the goalkeeper, just slotting it down the side of him. Yeah. That's when I think of Erling Haaland at his best. That's what I see. That's what I remember at Dortmund. That's what I remember when he first came to Manchester City. Not yeah. just the close tap-ins. Those sort of goals where he'd make, make those sort of runs. Kevin De Bruyne playing balls yeah. down the side. If you give them that space, oh. the two of them. It's, it's just fantastic. Now, the Ivory Coast are the champions of Africa, Jules. Hey. Who would have thought that 10 days ago? I mean, no one, Stu. I won't lie. Remember, they were uh, destroyed by Equatorial Guinea 4-0 mm. in the last game of the group stages. Yeah. They were on the verge of being out. They just got super lucky because Morocco could not qualify and that meant they stayed in the tournament as a, one mm. of the best third teams uh, in the group stages, although they only won one game and lost two of the three in the group stages. And then they had a miracle in the last 16, a miracle in, against Senegal, a miracle in the quarterfinals against Mali to come back in those two games to go and win. And then in the semi-final, it was a transformed team. They were solid, they were good, they moved the ball well, they were strong, they were powerful. Sebastian Haller played great. And then in the final, they were the better team again. And I'm a bit disappointed by Nigeria, who yeah. were very minimalist from kind yeah. of start to finish. And it gets you to a certain point. Yeah, you're very strong defensively. You don't give much away to the opposition and then you've got Ozyman or Lukman who can do something. But it gets to a point if the other team is better than you, yeah. then you struggle. And I just felt that Nigeria almost lost this final as much as Ivory Coast won it. And it's great for Ivory Coast. They won it for the third time in their history when they were really, really almost out. It's an incredible story. It was an incredible tournament with so many twists and... And, uh, would that be and the first team that would have won uh, won anything, having lost two out of their first three yeah. games? I would imagine I so. I think the first team to finish third in a group stage and go and win uh, a tournament. In any tournament? Yeah, so Portugal did it in 2016, I think, in the Euros. Okay. Um, but in, in Afghan, for sure. And then also they were the first home team. Mm. You know, we usually say, oh, if the competition is on yeah. home soil, this is a yeah. huge advantage. Not in Afghan because they were the first team since 2000 and something yeah, yeah. to actually have won it on home soil. So well done to them, to MSF, who, you know, now is the manager, the head coach, but was just the, 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 the team manager at the start of the tournament. So many things happened in those four weeks for them. And now they're... Great tournament. Yeah, African champions. Well done to them. Really well done to Ivory Coast. Lamin Yamal is 16, Stu, only 16. Is it right that we expect him to save Barcelona every time, a bit like he did against Granada on Sunday night? Well, you can forget his age because when you see him play, at times he's Barcelona's best player. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the first goal he scored was you know, in the right place at the right yeah. time. But the second one, he'd actually given the ball away. The crowd sort of had a bit of a oh, moan and, and he won it back and then goes... The way and he won it, it back as well, you <laughs> know that. Smashes it in at the near post. I've seen him play regularly over the course of the season. And when he's playing on the right-hand side, he's done a better job than Rafinha. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's probably doing a, a better job than uh, Dembele did when he yeah, was yeah. at the club. Yeah, yeah, different, yeah, different style. Different yeah. style, 
but he's got more trickery probably yeah. than Dembele. Yeah. Dembele had more pace. But he's just making the right decisions. He looks a, an outstanding player. Uh, he looks like he's got a bit of strength. What they have to be careful with, they've done it with other players, overplayed Pedri, Pedri. Yeah. overplayed Gavi, yeah. overplayed Ansu Fati. Don't overplay him. Pick him. Pull him out the team at the right time mm. so he doesn't yeah. get to stale. Because Rana is one of the rare positives of their yeah, season, absolutely. right? Yeah, absolutely. We also had a big clash in Italy, Jules. Roma versus uh, Inter. Yeah, that was really good on Saturday. So Saturday, if you wanted mm. to watch all the big games, at, at, they were all at the same time. Roma-Inter kicked off at 5 o'clock in the UK. Yeah. At 5.30, you had Bayer Leverkusen yeah. and Bayern Munich. And... Roma Girona. That's one for another day. This was great. Inter won 4-2 under the pouring rain. Roma actually took the lead and, and went 2-1 up um, just after the break on a great counter-attacking goal from, from Stefan El Sharawi. And then I think Inter's class overall mm. uh, was, just, was just too good. We saw a great Marcus Thuram performance again and in mm. all the big games Thuram has delivered. Um, Lautaro was good. The midfield was strong. Chalanoglu, Barella... Mitkitarian. It's just they just know each other so well. It's just a delight to watch. And I think Roma will get there. And under De Rossi, you see already the, yeah. the improvement. It's just that I think this game came, it was just a step too high. Are they behaving themselves them. a bit more now? Yeah. Roma under of course. De Rossi than yeah, they were under they Mourinho. And they, and they play. Yeah. And that's the big difference. Yes. Under Mourinho, it was just they were not a playing football team. Now, even if you're a player, you could see that they have fun. Okay, they mm. lost that game, but Inter are by far the best team in Serie A this season. Yeah. So it's okay, but but I think they they showed enough positives in the game to be Good. to be really happy. Because you need Roma doing well. Yeah, exactly. Stu Liverpool are still top of the table in the Premier League. They went back there uh, with their win against Burnley, but it was not great. And Trent's knee seems to be an issue. Yeah, it wasn't great, but they did enough. You know, there was a couple of chances. I think the worst thing was their defensive problems. Yeah, yeah a couple of times Fafana's running through. And, those you two know, chances, two chances. You know, that, that, that would have pulled them back into the game. Yeah. And, and he should really take them. Yeah. Uh, and that was a, a flaw in Liverpool's play. They didn't play with great dynamism, I didn't think. Uh, I think the, the Arsenal game took a little bit out of them. You know, think? In yeah, terms yeah, of yeah, not, not in terms of physic physicality, yeah. in terms of mental. You know, we... we They've, for, for weeks, they've been rushing teams, they've been closing down. I've seen them play really, really well. And that Arsenal game, I think, took them by surprise yeah, or, or, or shocked them. Yeah. Yeah, we, we were second best by a long way. And, and they didn't quite get it together uh, against Burnley. Alexander-Arnold's knee, yeah, that's a problem. Mm. It was not a problem for them defensively because they're better with, with yeah, yeah, other people in a defensive position, but they're going to miss his passing, of yeah. course. Um, and hopefully he gets himself uh, back, back in shape. Now, Jules, what did you make of PSG against Lille on Saturday? Come on! Um, so it was interesting because Lille have been great with Paulo Fonseca this season, yeah. one of the best teams, certainly playing mm. team in the league. And, and Luis Enrique decided, you know what, we've got the Champions League coming mm. up on Wednesday night, Real Sociedad in Paris, let's make loads of changes. So it was very much a B team for PSG, no Zaire Emery, no Mbappé, no Barcola, no Marquinhos, no Vitinha. And PSG played really well as a team. Yeah. And I'm not saying that when Kylian is there and Kylian is not there. This is a debate mm. that we've had so many times. This is not the problem here. But they pressed really well as a team, collectively. Yeah. Dembele triggering the press, Colomani, Gonzalo Ramos. They recovered the ball really high. Ugarte was good. And even if they considered the first goal, which they're still a bit vulnerable at times in transitions, mm. I thought they did a lot of really good things out of possession as well as in possession. And I, I think that was really good. It would be very different when the stars are back and Kylian mm. is back because they just play differently. But I thought from a, from a B-team performance in a big game, yeah. that was really good. 
It's another win for United and another goal for Rasmus Honung. Are they are they a proper team now? Are they a proper team now? Uh, Aston, <laughs> Aston Villa still made chances, you know, in in the second half. Uh, yes, they're certainly playing better. There's a more determination, I would say, about Manchester United yeah. at the moment. Uh, remember, they've gone back to a centre-half pairing that he didn't think were very good a little while ago, yeah. in Varane and Maguire. Um, Casemiro was out the side for a, for a long time. He's now playing, was back in the side. Yeah, and he's doing his, his, his job that he does next to Menu. Um, but go back to Hoyland. He, I saw him play really well against Galatasaray, where he scored a couple of goals, and I thought this this player looks like he could be the top centre forward. Yeah. He could run, he could hold it up. He had an eye for goal. He looked quick, powerful. Then he went off the ball. He's a confidence player, yeah. and at the moment his confidence is up. It's a not, it was a, an easy goal for him, yeah. know, but he's in the right place. Uh, I think Manchester United are going to challenge for the top four, but it's going to be a struggle for them. Yeah, I agree. Milan Napoli on Sunday was not the classic we'd hoped to see. It was really bad, too. It was. I mean. I didn't know what to expect. Again, Napoli have been terrible mm -hmm. since, especially since Mazzari took over. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's, they lost eight games in the league this season. That was his fifth defeat. So five of those eight came mm -hmm. under him since he took over in November. He promised that he would never play back three because he's a back three manager. Yeah, he's always been. Yeah, and obviously, guess what? When things were starting to go wrong, he, he went back to a back three. And they played back three in the first half where I thought they were dreadful. No shot on target, only one shot in that first half. And Milan didn't need to be particularly good. They scored a lovely goal, Giroud, Rafael Leao, and Theo with the finish. Uh, the second half was slightly better from Napoli in a 4-3-3. In mm. One of the centre-backs came off at half-time and, and Politano came on. But, but in the end, they were still not enough. They hit the post late on a cross that was deflected, but there was still not, I think, enough urgency and this surely must be one of the worst title defences that there's 100%. ever been I think Chelsea once finished 10th after yeah. winning the title of remember that yeah but this is this is really and, and cool. also I mean it, it might be hard to go back to back and win titles mm. right but when you were playing so well yeah. one of the best football team that we've seen mm. in the last 10 years or so mm. last season under Spalletti to this rubbish because it is really yeah, rubbish yeah, yeah. you, you I mean, you feel even for someone like Varaskelia, for example, mm. who was so good last year, yeah. enjoying his football, and now he played him as a. Do you sort think of it all like started going wrong when they lost in the Champions League to to Milan, Milan last season? Yeah, maybe. that's when they, after that, yeah, their, their performances in the league weren't quite true, so great. but they had like a fifteen-point yeah, yeah, cushion. So, yeah. I think Spalletti leaving was the big yeah. one, and maybe not replacing them with the right manager. I mean, I don't think Rudy Garcia was the right pick. No. I don't think Mazzari is the right pick no. again. I don't know what they're going to do next season. It would be a, someone new, of course. Mazzari hasn't had success for quite some while, has he? I mean, yeah. he, he, he did well with that team, with the three ten tenants. Yeah, ten years ago. A long, long, exactly, long time man. ago. It's but mad. when you look at his career after that, it's not been great. It's a shame how you almost tarnish your legacy yeah. in a way. Yeah. Or, or, you, you know, A-team legacy by... by getting everything wrong pretty much since mm. they won the title after 33 mm. years. It's, it's ridiculous. Let's go back to that United, that Aston Villa United game, Stu, because United are going great, as mm. you mentioned, rightly. It's not the case really for Aston Villa. What do you make of their current form? Poor. Uh, I don't think they played quite so badly against Manchester United as they did against Chelsea in the FA Cup. Yeah, true, true. No and I was doing that game. And before the match, we're talking about the demise of Chelsea, how Aston Villa were certain to win the game. They were going to dominate in all areas. They were playing good football, though the results weren't quite as yeah. good as they had been. They were shocking. They allowed they Chelsea to, to outplay them. They had no nothing going forward. Uh, they looked leggy. Yeah. Uh, and there's something not quite right at the moment. Uh, 
you know, I like the manager, Unai Emery. He's, uh, I said it's, he's done a good job at mm. Real. He's done a good job everywhere he's been. Maybe not quite so well at Arsenal. But at the moment, um, they look very cumbersome as a back four. Yeah. They're, they're opened up far too easily. Uh, they play at times too high a line when there's yeah, no pressure yeah. on the ball. And they're not quite playing as well going forward. So worrying times, I would say, for, for yeah, Unai Yeah, it's Emery. one win in six yeah. in all competition. You mentioned the yeah. FA Cup against Chelsea. And again, there are chances against United. Yeah. They could have go 2-1 up yeah. then before consider that second goal but but I guess what they have to do is keep the crowd on side if, they, if the yeah. crowd stay on side because you know the, 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 I think everybody at Villa were, were right behind Unai Emery and the players they've just got to get a win fairly soon just to yeah. get them back on track because I think they are a good side and it's just that behind them for so mm. top three is mm. sorted right yeah but behind them Spurs won yeah. Newcastle won United obviously won because mm. they beat them it's, it's you know it's, yeah. it's pushing behind as well Qatar made history, Jules, by winning back-to-back -back Asian Cups. Yeah, incredible. As to in Qatar, mm. this time they won their final against uh, Jordan 3-1 with three penalties from a fifth, which is rare mm. enough to score three penalties. And to be fair, I didn't think there was anything uh, controversial, let's put it that way, uh, in, in the, the referee giving those three penalties he took them really well mm. as well he's their star player to be yeah. fair he was the pl best player in the tournament i felt with altamari from jordan uh and again they go back to back uh, i don't know really what happened at the world cup and why maybe just the level was too high yeah. with the team that they faced uh, at the, uh in the in the world cup but certainly in their on their continent they've been they've been good in this tournament and they won it it's right now they had the best goalkeeper in the tournament who who's the coach um, that's a good question. Sorry, I should uh, ask that one. No, no, I just need to remember his name. To be fair, they changed after the World Cup and it was probably the right thing to do because of, I think, psychologically what happened at the World Cup was, was an issue on home yeah. soil. To, yeah. to, to be humiliated in a way, the way, the way they did, was not ideal. And I think Titin Marquez, another Spanish, mm. uh, took over and, and has done... Has done you know, I think he's done well. He's had a few experience in club like Espanyol and in, in Belgium as well. But they've, they've, they've played good football in this tournament. Yeah. And when they start players like Afif, like Bajam in goal, step up, they become really difficult to beat. So I always knew they were going to be a, a good footballing nation when, when <laughs> I played in the Junior World Cup in 1981. Yeah, they I remember Qatar the story. beat England 2-1 in the semi-final to, to play West Germany as they were. They there were the a final. lot of discussions in... About around this tournament, which I can understand. About the, so the, they're starting eleven. Mm. They have two Spanish players who've been yeah. naturalized Qataris. There's a few others as well who were born outside of Qatar who either moved young, yeah. moved late in the careers, which you know I can understand. They had an, they had an, an academy, didn't they? In Qatar, yeah, aspire, they get from yes. a, aspire from around the world. But what, whether you're happy with the mm. players that they have on the pitch or not, they still have to. Perform, perform, right? And they performed, and yeah. it's not like if they had Cristiano, Messi, and Mbappe in their team. Mm. So well done to them. I would rather stay on the positive side of it, of it all. Stu, you commentated on Sevilla Atletico on mm. Sunday for ESPN, and it was not a great watch, really, from an Atletico point of view. Not from an Atletico point of view. Great for Sevilla. The yeah. crowd got right behind them. They've got a young player playing up front for them called. Isaac Moreno. Yeah, lovely finish. It was a good finish with the header at the far post, but his all-round performance was sensational. He, he looks really strong from he there. He looks strong. He did, he did everything right. He, he missed a couple of chances, yeah. 
but he, he was excellent uh, and tried to link up with N Naziri, which N Naziri didn't always play at his, no, his yeah. best. But it was it was a very good performance. They defended well all around the field. There was a great goal line clearance from Jesus Navas, yeah. uh, from uh, from Griezmann. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, but. Atleti once again looked ponderous at times on the ball. They didn't start playing really until the second half. You know, there's Very something wrong with their mentality at times that yeah. they just can't start the game quickly. And that was the case uh, in this one. Yeah, and, and Morata picked up an injury that yeah, doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. No. He'd been down a couple of times before that, yeah. and then then he had a whack. And it, it wasn't a bad challenge. He just he just went into the player yeah. uh, who was a very solid player, Sumari, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he obviously hurt his knee. But uh, Atleti didn't play well. No. And it's great to see Sevilla with the crowd behind them climbing away from the yeah, relegation Yeah, back-to-back wins, I think, for them now. Yeah. Uh, Dortmund with a massive win, Jules. Massive on Friday night because they obviously... Tennis uh, balls and chocolate as well. Yeah. Thrown onto the pitch. Yeah, that protest. Yeah, you're right. We should mention that because we didn't mention it for the uh, in the Bayer Leverkusen Bayern Munich um, quick hits. We go back to... Um, it's, it's, so no story in a way that the fans are still protesting again. The um, the German league selling some of their TV rights yeah. to uh, like private hedge fund company like like La Liga did with mm. CVC, like France did with CVC mm. as well. The fans are not happy. You know how important mm. the fans are, yeah. the 50 plus one rule in Germany, all of that. Not happy, so they throw uh, yeah tennis balls and mm. chocolate, well, anything they can find really uh, on the pitch. A few of the games were stopped for quite a long, a lengthy uh, time as well, including this one. Uh, Dortmund with a big win against Freiburg. Freiburg, uh, not very good. They've been playing in Europe against Lens on Thursday night in the Europa League. Not good. But for Dortmund, a really good win. And now that opened a gap for them in fourth place with Leipzig in fifth of three points. Daniel Malen with two goals. Really good from Ian Madsen. Mm. We yeah. talked about Chelsea earlier. Really, really good from him too with a great assist on the third goal by Fulkrug. I For all the time, Dortmund have been really up and down in the same game, not just mm. over the season, in mm. the same game where you really don't know how, how unpredictable they are. For this game, I thought they were quite controlled so i think terzic was happy it was a good way of starting the weekend for them so well done back to west ham too because we talked slightly about david moyes and the defensive side of their game he's under pressure now clearly after such mm. humiliation do you understand uh, well pressure? i know a lot of west ham supporters and they're divided um and i'll tell you my view after i after i said this I got one one friend who's a very good supporter who says we're you know high up the table. When Moyes came, we were down at the bottom. Uh, both times he came, he saved us from relegation. Yeah, that's true. Much higher up the table. I've got his brother, who's also a West Ham yeah. uh, fan, says I don't like going anymore. It's boring football. Uh, we, it is. We, 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 it's not entertaining. We play on the counter attack. David Moyes is too negative. I don't enjoy watching football yeah. at, 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 uh, at the Olymp at Olympic Stadium anymore, the London Stadium anymore. And I understand that a little bit because as a supporter you want to go and think your team at home will entertain you a little bit you know I'm not, mm. I'm not sort of saying by playing fancy football but by getting the ball into the front areas and getting crosses into the yeah. box and threatening the opposition and closing it down because when they do that the crowd get right behind them when they sit off and defend it's, it's boring to watch at yeah, times particularly for the home side um, and the thing that annoyed West Ham supporters more than anything else they were in the quarter-final of the League Cup, the Carabao yeah. Cup. They thought that Liverpool were going to play a second string side. West Ham were on a good run. Yeah. They went up there and David Moyes, by his team selection, almost gave the game to yeah. Liverpool. And it was a terrible 100%. performance. 
They then think, and West Ham is a club that aren't going to win the league. Yeah. They're going to struggle to get into the top four. They like cup competitions. They, they're in the FA Cup against Bristol City at home in the third round. They expect to, the fans expect yeah. them to beat them. 100%. They then go to Bristol City with, a, again, a, a, a second string side with, with lots, maybe one or two injuries. Yeah. And they play pathetically. And yeah, they lose they the game. Bad. And that turns West Ham supporters off. And that's why David Moyes is under pressure. You know, like, okay, they, they lost to United and Arsenal the last mm. two games. So, okay. And you can set up your team differently mm. for this game. But the game before that, mm. against Bournemouth at home, when you only pick two attacking players mm. in your team, in Kudus and Bowen, mm. and I know you've got Paqueta mm. is injured and that's a big loss. Mm. You still had Danny Ings on the bench that you could yeah, start yeah. and play for an hour mm. and play Bowen on the right, Ings up front, Kudus on the left. You, Cornet, okay, Cornet is not messy, but Cornet is a good player yeah. that can do a job. You play nine defensive players. It's almost as if David Moyes doesn't trust um, players that are creative. You know, every every time he puts on the field, you can almost, like Cornet played yeah. against Bristol City in the yeah. away game. It's almost every time he touched the ball or made a mistake, you could see David Moyes, oh, you know, there's a player giving the ball away again. I'm not doing what he, I wanted him to do. You've got to trust yeah. your creative players. Ben Rama, you know, he hasn't been good for West Ham, but do you think he's been encouraged? You know, do you Definitely think he's, he's a, a player? He's, creative players need confidence, yeah. and if the manager doesn't give you that confidence, 100%. you're going to struggle. And then you let Fornals, who scored yeah. by the way for Betis yeah. this weekend, yeah. and Ben Rama, who started for Lyon, and you don't replace them. No. So you lose two creative players. Yeah. Whether you played them a, a lot or not, whether mm. you like them or not, it doesn't matter. You let two creative players go, and you didn't replace them. And the problem in the game against Arsenal is. Once that first goal went in, it's over. It's over because yeah. the, I mean, people argue and say, "Well, they, last year they came back from two 0 down to, to draw against Arsenal." Yeah. Until, but you could just sense the player. You could see the players think, that, "That's 100%. it." You know, our game plan's out the window now. Yeah. Nice had, uh, host Monaco on Sunday, and it was uh, hosted Monaco on Sunday, and it was great, Jules. It was a fantastic derby, Stu. Really, and. From a Nice team that we've seen, and the, the young Italian um, manager, I think, will, will admit to himself, very solid, mm -hmm. very defensive, don't give much away. It's all about controlling spaces mm -hmm. when you have the ball, when you don't have the ball, all of that. I mean, they were amazing in this game. They lost 3-2 mm -hmm. because Monaco were just super clinical, super efficient, played a great game in the 4-3-3. Adi Hutter under a lot of mm -hmm. pressure at Monaco after they lost to a, a third division team in the cup at the, um, in midweek. He was under pressure. His team responded so well. They won 3-2. It was end-to-end -end at times. With goal, they went 1-1, 2-1, 2-2, 3-2. It could have been 3-3 in the end. It was just it was just super spectacular, super great. Liga great. at its best. Exactly. I was going to yeah. say, great, really great advert for, for, for Liga and French football, which we need. Everybody needs always. Mm. But, you know, for us, it's maybe rarer than for others. So I would, I'll take that. And... Uh, and yeah, it was great. And I'm happy for Monaco in a way because PSG are 11 points clear of, of Nice in second place. So that mm. is gone. But the race for second, Nice, third, Brest, Monaco in fourth, and even below that, it's going to be great. So, you know, bring on that, not so much the title race, but the, the second to fourth yeah. race. Let's yeah. call it like that. Bruno Guimaraes was the shining light for Newcastle win away at Forest on Saturday. Should you think he's underrated? Uh... Not by Newcastle fans. No, but it feels like we don't really talk much about how good he is, I feel. He's, he's a very good player. Uh, and again, he can do both sides of the game. He's a, a, a good passer of the ball. He can control the midfield when he's playing well. He plays little one-twos around yeah. pressure. He'll defend and get around the field. 
if there's one thing that he still lacks is discipline at times. You know, I've yeah. seen him in games where you think, come on, you're, gonna, you're losing your head now. And yeah, you're losing like the Arsenal awesome game, yeah, remember? And you're losing that, yeah. your quality because now you're getting involved. In, uh, there, was a, there was, I think, a, a Carabao Cup semi-final last year where he came on as a sub and got involved in someone and got sent off and it caused, yeah. caused Newcastle a problem for, 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 for 10, 15 minutes. But if he can control that side of his game and control his emotions, he's a very good footballer. There's no question about that. He yeah. can do everything you want from a midfield player. I love watching you know, him he's, play. He's, 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 a, he's a good passer of the ball and obviously scored a couple of goals as well, so yeah. that added to his game. But like for you, I mean, as a former player, so if for the ones who haven't seen the third goal, so Newcastle is 2-2, Newcastle mm. win 3-2. Forrest recovered the ball in their own yeah. 30 yards and Antonio Langa is trying this pass from kind of a right-hand side towards the centre, so on the edge of his own box, yeah. that pass towards, I think it's Gibbs White on the edge of, of the forest box, and Guimaraes reads it, but anybody yeah. could have read, yeah. watching on television, you could read the ball yeah, yeah. and the pass, and then Guimaraes reads it well, gets the ball and then curls it. There's no way Anthony Elanga should try that pass at 2-2 no. at that moment in the game, surely. What, but it drives seeing, me mad. But you're seeing more and more of that in football, that the, the passes that are so uh, risky, uh, are being encouraged by coaches now. You know, it's, it's almost how many. We're going to talk about Tottenham Brighton later. Yeah. On, how many times do teams give the ball away in bad areas? You know, and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and it, it causes goals. The, the, the way balls are turned over in bad areas at the moment is getting it's, higher and higher. It, it but is. It adds to the excitement of the game, you have to yeah, say. Yeah, that's very true. Now, uh, Chiro Immobile made history for Lazio this weekend, three days before hosting Bayern in the Champions League. What's all that about, George? Yeah, it's a great great day, I think, for Chiro Immobile, yeah. for his career, for the whole family. He scored his 200th Serie A goal. So not mm. in all competition, no. just in the league. Incredible. Only the eighth player in history to do it, joining the likes of Baggio mm. and Totti and and others. Incredible achievement, really, from Ciro Immobile. Still very divisive figure because he's never really worked out for him with mm. Italy. But certainly for Lazio in the league, it's been incredible. And the Lazio team that won, okay, 3-1, they were not great. Their goalkeeper made some really big save. But Bayern were not good either, no. as we mentioned earlier. Against, and Tuchel, against I think, is under, not under pressure yeah, for his job, he but under he, pressure. he's under pressure that they've got to put in a good yeah, performance. Yeah, so I think this Lazio... Bayern game, which on paper looks quite mm. one-sided for Bayern, mm. even if the first leg this week will be in Rome. Um, I just I just don't know. I think on a good day, this Lazio team can cause problems to teams. Provedel is a really good goalkeeper. Chiro Immobile is a very good finisher. If something happens, if they take the lead, if Luis Alberto does something a bit special, mm. if there's something a bit special in this game, then Bayern, I think, with the doubt that they have in mm. them right now... I, I, when I looked at Bayern's team against Bayer Leverkusen, it hasn't got that look of superiority that it once had. Yeah, no, maybe. Uh, I see what I you mean. You know, yeah, he benched the Kimmich. Side. He yeah. benched him. He yeah. dropped him. Muller was on the bench yeah. as well. Um, there was that back three that was yeah. a bit strange of a call. Yeah, Delict was on the bench as well. When, yeah, yeah, he's coming think, right from an injury. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Eric Dyer playing in the football team is not yeah. for me in 2024, no. to be fair. Yeah, there's always going to be problems yeah, physically. Exactly, exactly. Talking about Champions League, Stu, we said he's back. Do we give Copenhagen much hope against Manchester City, even in Copenhagen on Tuesday night? I give them uh, hope that they might uh, restrict Manchester City to not many chances and by yeah. sitting deep and trying to play on the counter-attack. Are they going to threaten Man City over the two legs? Probably not that much. Man City is still a fantastic side and they find ways to break down the opposition. But I have seen, you know, that they've been 
frail on occasions, Man City, yeah. this season. Yeah, but they're coming into board, that run of form this time of the year. Haaland fit. Kevin De Bruyne fit. Yeah. I can't see Copenhagen. I think it's 10 wins in a row for yeah, City. I can't see Copenhagen causing them too many points. You know the atmosphere is going to be great of at course. Parken. We saw that against yeah. United in the but group and stage. And Copenhagen did well to get to where they yeah. are because you know it was a, it was a tough group. Bayern Munich, uh, Manchester United, Galatasaray. Yes, to right. come second in that group, they've done well. Yeah, and they took the lead against Bayern at home. Yeah. They drew nil-nil away in Bayern. So I, I don't think City can... It's not going to be a 5-0 or something. I, I, it's going to be tight, but I think Man City will, yeah. will win the game. I agree. And what kind of game do you expect between PSG and Real Sociedad on Wednesday? Well, uh, unbiased view. Yeah, of course, yeah. it's always objective when it comes down to PSG. No, but I mentioned earlier the win against Leeds that was really good with the B team, but a team that played as a team. Mm. The stars are going to be back for this game, of course. Kylian Mbappe, the main, the main one, and this Real Sociedad team that you've seen a, a few mm. times, I'm sure, plays really lovely football with yeah. intensity. They've got loads of players out injured. It's a problem. They're hoping for Yazabal to be back. Even if he's back for this game, mm. he hasn't trained or played for a little bit. I don't know how much fit he, he would really be. I think PSG should be cautious mm. because mm. this is a Real Sociedad team that we saw very good in the Champions League group stages yeah. against Inter. Again, in a, in a group that was not easy, Benfica and Salzburg. But really, PSG should, should go through. You know, We have all our top players. Everybody's there. We don't really have any, anybody missing. The form has been has been really good with the ball. Defensively, it's been a bit of a worry because yeah. they've been vulnerable at times. And I think Real Sociedad can maybe exploit that. But in Paris, in the first leg, the second leg might be different in Spain. But on Wednesday night in Paris, I really expect PSG to kind of control that game mm -hmm. and, and, and win it. But again, with them, you just never know. You just never know. Tottenham Brighton was a superb spectacle, Stu, on Saturday afternoon. And Spurs, who win, by the way, as many points late, then they drop, then they lose. Got a big win. That's a big, big win late. Big win against a very good Brighton side. You know, Brighton can cause you major problems and but can also get beaten yeah. very easily. And, you know, I watched, the, I watched some of the game, but watched all the highlights later on. And it was amazing. We talked earlier about giving the ball away in bad yeah. areas. It was a great game because both sides wanted to try and play out from the back and at times in a risky manner. And both sets of players wanted to close the ball down and press high up the field. So the ball changed hands in bad areas so often and it created lots of opportunities. Yeah. Both sides have got creative players. Both sides know exactly how they want to play. Is their style of football going to win them things? Uh, win them uh, plaudits? It's yeah. going to win them the fans over. I'm not sure that it's going to win them titles or get them into where they want to be. And that's my little issue with Spurs. They're a little bit too open. They're a little bit too... Yeah, you could if, see if, that. They, they will play and create chances. You know, it's great having Song back in the side, yeah. you know, and Johnson and decisive on, on and, the and, winning and, goal, and, yeah. And, and Johnson scores the winner, I mean, come on as well. But I still think they can be vulnerable to any sort of uh, good attack. You know what play. I struggle to understand? So, a 1-1 draw for Brighton away, I suppose, is a mm. good result, right? Mm, yeah. So why in the 96th minute, they're still f everybody's forward to try to score the winning yeah. goal where surely you would be happy with the draw and instead they're so open it's so easy for Son yeah. to, to, to go on that left and cross the ball for Johnson I, I think it's Tupinan first he's hoping that he's onside that he's offside but once you stop even for a brief second it's too late and then you are half a second late and Johnson has a tap in and then but the, the, the other uh, way you could look at it 
Brighton had two or three chances True. very near the end where they yeah. could have gone and won the game. And that's their philosophy. We're going to go and win this game. I guess so. Mitoma gets down yeah, the outside. I guess so, yeah, so maybe. That's the way they play. Brighton, yeah. Brighton don't expect to be in the top four. They don't expect maybe to be in the top six. What they expect is uh, them to play good football, win uh, games against big sides, lose games against other sides, yeah, yeah. mid-table and entertain just, their crowd. If I was a manager, though, and I know the Zabi would want them to try and win the game, but if you can't win it, just don't lose it. And oh, certainly yeah. not like oh, that. So cheaply uh, yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, RB Leipzig uh, draw at the weekend, which is n never a good look before facing Real Madrid, is it? No, and we mentioned how good Real Madrid were, yeah. obviously against Girona. Uh, for Leipzig, not so good. 2-2 away at Augsburg. Probably the worst thing in this game, is true, is that they also missed a penalty at 2-2. Mm. And Luis Openda, who's been so good for them, scored a lovely header in this game on the penalty spot. And I never thought he would... Like, okay, you can miss a pen, but this is one of the worst penalties I've seen this season. It's literally a pass to the goalkeeper, it's not in a corner, it's not with, with power, it's just inside of his right foot. Literally, I promise you, it's a pass. And I think even the keeper is surprised but because did he, he dives did he on think his... That, did he think the goalkeeper was going to go the other way? Did he, did he try and... So I think it's one of those where he slows down his running yeah. and maybe expect the keeper to, to show one yeah. side. So then he's caught, oh, what should I do? And then he does nothing. And literally, I promise you, the keeper dives on his left and, and the ball is so soft. Even the keeper is a bit surprised. He says, really? Is that yeah. it you have? And then and then saves it. It's Openda will score many more goals, many yeah. more penalties. It's not a problem. But this cost them the win, which we said Dortmund are now three points clear and, yeah. and Leipzig are fifth. Four days or three days before this big Real Madrid clash on, on Wednesday night, it's not ideal. I think Leipzig still have enough on the counter to cause... Carvajal and Tramini, a few issues there and there. And I think this would be a very nice open game to watch. But that was not the best rehearsal, let's no, put it that way, before no, no. the Raman game. <laughs> Stu, last week FIFA announced their intention to try blue cards mm. in football, which is basically for a sin, it's like a sin bin. If you, for dissent or for a cynical file, you go into the 10 minutes out and then you come back after. The, the reaction from, I mm. think, the football world, the media, head coaches, players were so bad that they actually backtracked. Uh, f f first of all, as a, as a former player yourself mm. and as a former coach, and now as a, mm. as a pundit, what do you make of the idea? Is a sin bin idea a bad idea? Like what we can see in rugby, for example? Well, hockey, I know I'm, I'm very close to a, a hockey umpire yeah. and they have the sin bin and they say it works very well there because when you, if a player gets overheated and starts screaming and shouting, rather than send him off, you say, you go off for yeah. some two minutes, five minutes, whatever yeah. it is, uh, and you calm yourself down, you come back on. And there's a lot of um, decisions that are made where it's either nothing or it's a sending off when yes. you see the VAR. And sometimes you think, oh, I'm not quite sure whether he's intended that, whether he's slipped. And that's when I think a, a blue card, if that's what colour you want to do, yeah. it, it could work. Um, Cynical fouls. They're the ones that I, I don't like when, you know, a, a player's running away and somebody just grabs his shirt and yeah. pulls him back so and it's only a yellow yeah, card. Yellow, when, when that's, that's so so cynical yeah. compared with, you know, somebody might get sent off for being slightly late in a challenge. So I think it, it could work as long as the referees don't use it too often. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised that so many people were against it. So, for example, I saw Ange Postecoglou, who I thought was a really good answer. He said, the problem is when someone is going to go down to 10 for 10 mm. minutes, they're going to park the bus, yeah. the double-decker bus, the yeah. treble-decker bus. And this game, who might have been great, open, mm. 
attacking, you know, whatever, with intensity, it's going to suddenly become like attack with defense. On the other, oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. But on the other hand, if the referee's not sure whether to send the player off or not, give him a red card. If he gives him a red card, that happens anyway. Yeah, true. And if he, if he, if he stopped him giving him a red card and giving him a blue card because he's not quite sure, yeah. then that won't happen for quite so long because so often you see that a game is spoilt by a red card early yeah, on in yeah. the match. That's true. So uh, this, yeah. was, this was tried already in a grassroots level, I think. Yeah. Uh, and apparently with, with good success, yeah. I'm just not sure is if, if that's okay until, until a semi-pro level, for yeah. example. And then when you get to the top, top, top level, it's, if this format is really apl applicable. And, what, and, and, and the people that are at fault for a lot of these things are the players and the managers. Yeah. Because they will try and get people sent off. They will try Definitely. and get people a, a, a blue card. They will play act and do all sorts of things. So the people that are often moaning about it are the people that cause the problems. And that's yeah. often the players. Yeah. Now, Jules, uh, we won't see the Brazilian under-23 team at the Olympics this summer. No. What's if all you, that about? Yeah, if you wanted to go to Paris for the Olympics mm. and watch the football tournament. Who wants to go to Paris? Oh, yeah, who? <laughs> you and I, for sure. Um, you won't see Brazil, who won the last two Olympic Games, mm. by the way, for the men's, in the men's uh, tournament. They were knocked out uh, yes, on Sunday night uh, in the South American qualifying mm. tournament, if you want, against Argentina, who scored late to win 1-0, and Argentina then booked their place for for the um, the olympic tournament and no brazil so and it's something they take very very seriously yeah yeah they love it and usually as well i mean we saw neymar taking mm -hmm. part mm -hmm. even when he was over 23 because you're allowed three mm -hmm. players who are over 23 and there's a, a lot of big big players who want to be part in there like Kylian mbappe for example so i'm sure the brazilians would have had a very talented team talented squad and i don't know who the over 23s would have been mm -hmm. the three players but you could have probably had Vini if you wanted, mm. for example, you know, those kind mm. of guys. Uh, it won't be the case. I think it's a real shame, even for the Olympic Games in of itself, not to have Brazil there. And for the Brazilians who obviously cannot go for uh, a three-peat and go three in a row at the Olympics, I guess maybe if you're France, Argentina, Spain... They might be too disappointed. Exactly. You get more chances to go <laughs> and, and win it. Stu, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much again for all your knowledge, all your expertise on the show. It's an absolute pleasure, it as I said, as always. To have you on. We'll be back on Thursday with Stu as well, I think, on Thursday I'll together. I'll be on Thursday, yeah. yeah to, re to debrief and review all the Champions League action because this week's Champions League is back, of course. So we've got some big, big games. Until then, as Gabor will say, love the game, love your neighbour, love yourself, or something like that.